This episode of Boy Meets World is episode 15 from season one. It's titled The B-Team of Life, and the synopsis on Disney Plus is a frustrated Corey scores a bench position on the school basketball team. All right, so we open this particular episode in the hallway, uh, which is a rare treat. And uh, Corey has a basketball in his hand, and he's talking with his his friends. It's Sean, and uh, a kid we're going to find out is uh, named Harris Robertson. And they're they're talking about the basketball team. And I wrote a tall guy in a purple shirt <laughs> post the basketball team list. Um, he, he obviously he's supposed to be the coach, and this guy is an absolute giant, uh, especially compared to these kids. So he posts the. Uh, the results of the tryouts on the wall. And they, they start making jokes about just how bad second string is. And they're saying, like, what do you think's what do you think's worse? Making second string or not making the team at all? And they say, second string. And then the next joke is, and Corey decides to up this, and he says, What's worse, making second string or falling on the Empire State Building and landing on your eye? Oh. Yeah. By the way, I, I noted that that dude was like seven foot tall as well. And like they had to have hired him for that reason. Like going into the casting call, like, all right, yeah. we need a tall male, tall who can touch the ceiling. <laughs> he was an absolute giant. Um, it's funny. He looked uh, he looked somewhat familiar. I don't know if it's just because of this show, but I wonder um, if he's been cast like in any other shows in the '90s, like with a similar role. You know, That's an interesting question. Role. I don't know. Like typecasted uh, as basketball player. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, they talk about how if you're on second string, you basically have to sit on the bench in front of everybody and not play. And your uniform always looks clean and how it's just embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, and they're all super confident you know, that they don't have to worry about that because they made the team or what they're calling like the A team, which they also say is first string. Um. And Minkus is in the hallway, and he walks up to the, the list first. And he made the B team, and he's super excited about this. And he runs off to tell his dad, as he says. So they check the list, and their confidence, you, know, you can tell in the characters, is not as strong as it once was. They're actually a little bit nervous about it. Yeah. Um, but, but Sean and, and as we learned, uh, Harris uh, Robertson, they both make the A team as they check. And then Corey walks up. And he reads off a team and he says, wait a minute. He's like, <laughs> they spelled a with a B. I know. And, How could um, they misspell the first letter of the alphabet? <laughs> and, and Sean's like, well, you know, it must be a mistake or maybe he misread it. And Harris looks at the list too. And they realize that it's legit. He did make the B team. And Corey says, just drop me on the empire state building. And he opens like his eye with his, with his fingers and um, Sean and Harris play it off like it's perfectly fine, but they run away from him like he has leprosy. Oh, yeah, and they he took his ball in the process. Did they really? <laughs> did oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, uh, Sean yeah. nonchalantly grabs his ball and says, it's not like we'll be friends with you and just runs off. Right, right. We're going to find out that, that that treatment doesn't stick at all. It's just in mm -hmm. this one scene. Uh, but any other comments here? No. Okay. All right. So our next scene, we're in the classroom and Feeney is teaching the class about evolution. And he has kind of like in the, the corner of the classroom, but near the front, 
He has Minkus, and I wrote a tall blonde because she is very tall. Um, <laughs> and she has like a club or a hammer. I couldn't quite make it out what she has in her hand. I think that's like part of like the issue with some of these um, old shows. You know, it's not like they preserve the quality. So yeah. it's it's not super high quality image, um, even in um, you know a, a newer streaming platform. And Was that Sean's, the same thing that Sean hit somebody with later in that scene? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, and Sean. Um, so this girl's in the middle, and then Sean's on the uh, the right side, and um, Minkus goes into an explanation of what evolution is, you know, very intelligently. So Sean, as you mentioned, he takes that that club and just whacks Minkus with it. And we get Minkus's token owl when he gets hit with it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So they, they had Minkus as the Homo sapien, which was the modern man, right? Yeah, and they put right. Sean at the lowest form <laughs> of the evolution, like, <laughs> like, yeah. like sludge uh, almost. Yes. And, and I, I think they reference that later on. They do. Um, the girl in the center was like hunched over. And I think she was trying to make a caveman face, too. Yeah, I hope that's not a real face. (laughs) (laughs) Might be why we haven't seen her in other things. (laughs) She's like sticking out her bottom jaw as much as she can, you know, kind of like an underbite, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, and also scrunching her eyebrows to try to look like a uh, Neanderthal or whatever. Yeah. So um, as they're talking, uh, Feeney says something about like uh, as as life forms, you know, we're waiting for the lowest form of life to crawl out of the slime. That's when Corey walks in through the classroom door late and the class starts laughing. Um, and, uh, Corey explains he had just been uh, with the basketball coach. Yeah. So, Cause he was trying to talk it over, you know, to see, you know, what team he actually ended up on. So, and Sean asks him what happened and Corey confirms that, yeah, it is the B team. So Minkus gets up and he's like, oh, cool, you too? Congratulations, did you tell your dad? Uh, which I thought was funny. Yeah, it's and, like salt in the wound. And Corey says, I happen to like my dad. <laughs> which is like, the B team is so bad that telling your dad that you made that team is like a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like admitting I'm not good enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and we talked about some of the shortest classes ever before, but <laughs> the bell rings and this class is over. I just yeah. wrote like, what the heck happened here? It's just so darn short. So everybody leaves the classroom when the bell rings, but Corey hangs around. Feeney asks if he's going to go to lunch, but Corey says he's too depressed to eat. And Feeney explains that, well, Minkus was excited about making the B team, and he's not sure why Corey isn't. And Corey says he might be Alvin Einstein, but he doesn't know, you know second string is for losers. Yeah. Alvin Einstein. Alvin Einstein. Feeney's very disappointed in the Alvin <laughs> Einstein. He's like, this is my life. Uh, and Corey suggests that he should probably quit basketball, and Feeney agrees with him immediately. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I, I think he calls them the dodo bird in the process. He does. Yeah, <laughs> he explains that it's sports is like natural selection, and as far as basketball goes, he's the dodo bird. It's survival of the fittest, and only the strong survive. And then Corey gets insulted because he's like, are you calling me weak? So Corey says he's going to evolve and says, look out, because he's a species on the move. And yeah, which leaves. Good. I-, I thought it was kind of funny. He doesn't know who Einstein is, but he knows who Charles Darwin is. Does he say Charles Darwin? Oh, yeah. He's, he, he mentioned Darwin by name. And later on in the episode, he actually calls him Chuck Darwin, oh, which funny. 
I guess close enough. It's closer. Chuck is closer to Charles and Alvin is uh, Albert. That's a very hockey thing to do. Give someone a nickname or call him Chucky Darwin. Yeah. Um, Isn't that the typical hockey name? Just adding like an E at the end of people's name and, yeah, or like or shortening it and then adding an E. Absolutely. Uh, or you lengthen it in the case of Rod Brindamore, call him Roddy. So whatever, <laughs> whatever gets you that E sound. Yeah. So when Corey leaves, Feeney smiles and says it's so simple. And I guess what they're trying to convey here is that Feeney was uh, using reverse psychology on him to get him to go try harder. for the Oh, team, yeah, right? I definitely think that's what they were getting at. Yeah. At first, he, he was laying me. it on pretty heavy. Yeah. Well, at first it threw me because, like, he wasn't doing it in a um, – Condescending. Like a, a, well, it wasn't, like, condescending or facetious. He was – he sounded legit like, hey, you know, it's natural selection – you're probably better at something else. Yeah, and maybe let's hope that's sports. not baseball, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So that that is his dream, you know, to be mm-hmm. a uh, center field center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else about this? Um. No, but in the next scene, we go into the bedroom, right? Yeah, we're in the bedroom. I, I have to say, Eric's form on those curls is terrible. Oh, I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what's terrible about him is he fully extending is that what's going on no he, he wasn't it was like a half curl and it was like just up against his knee and it looked uh, like five pound weights yeah he's like he, i don't want to really do this and they like threw him styrofoam to lift or something <laughs> i mean like i don't know if uh a five pound weight he should have been able to lift pretty quickly <laughs> even, even acting maybe they had to do too many takes i don't know that's true yeah, <laughs> but I I didn't notice anything peculiar about that. But he is basically he's lifting because he got dumped, and this is an ongoing theme where he says he's get he got dumped because he's not a senior. Yeah, uh, he's a sophomore. So I guess all the sophomore girls are dating seniors. So yeah, because the seniors, seniors have dating? cars, muscles, and Burger King training hats. Right. Yeah. So who do the senior girls date? <laughs> I guess freshman in college. I guess so, right? Everyone's like, uh, what do they call it? Um, dating up. Dating up, yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. Um, so he, he's he's trying to work out to impress girls, and um, Corey, Corey's trying to get Eric to give him basketball advice or, yeah. or maybe train him because he said he's the best basketball player he knows, but Eric's too busy on himself. And Corey leaves the room frustrated as Eric won't really give him time of day. And uh, Eric's like posing in front of the, the mirror um, in a ridiculous overblown fashion, um, doing all these different uh, like bodybuilder poses. Anything else on that short scene in the bedroom? No. Um, I mean, it's just the first stage in the episode of him feeling ignored. And we'll see that carry on as he makes his way through everybody else in the family. Exactly. So yeah. now we're in the living room. And Amy, Corey's mom, is hemming a dress for Morgan. And Morgan says she's a princess. I don't know if that means this is a costume or if she just, you know, was calling herself a princess. But yeah, I, I wrote that it was for a play, but I also threat oh, read okay. or wrote Morgan is the princess in the play. Amy threatens to stab her with a needle. Like that was my synopsis of the scene. <laughs> I don't think that's how it was said in the episode, you a but that's how I interpreted it. Like, uh, stop is- moving, or I'm gonna like stab you <laughs> yeah that is in here um so so Corey shows up uh in the living room too and this is after his his first game apparently and i wrote his parents didn't go 
Uh, and eventually we get little explanations as to why. But mm-hmm. he talks to his mom, um, and he tries to explain like how the game went because he said it, it wasn't too great for him. And uh, But as he tries to explain, she walks off to tend to Morgan again. And Alan comes in to talk to Corey and says he's sorry he missed the game because he had a meeting. I know. But, uh, but he's ready to hear the story now. And then Eric comes in and interrupts to ask for $36,000 for a Corvette. <laughs> That's pretty cheap, right? Well, I mean, we, we've got to remember this is just shy of 30 years ago. Um, but when that $36,000 doesn't work, he, he cuts it back. I'm like, how about I save you 26000 and right. I get a Harley instead. A Harley. <laughs> and, and this is like a callback to earlier episodes. So this would be the door in the face uh, strategy. Start mm-hmm. high. Let's cut it down to 10000 so it sounds like more of a bargain. Right. right. So he knows what's up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Alan is still trying to get Corey to explain his story after uh, that interruption. And then Amy walks in and interrupts too. And then Eric chimes in again, and Morgan uh, says she made cookies. And so Corey has been trying to tell everybody how the game went, and he's not super happy about it, and no one's been listening. He's feeling really mm-hmm. ignored. So he starts yelling about how, like, and he goes through this fake scenario, you know, with two seconds left, he scored to tie it. Um, he gets the ball, like, uh, and they, they foul him. Um, and I'm not sure how you, how you score with two seconds left and get the ball back immediately, (laughs) but, uh, he explains that he hits a foul shot to win the game and he's jumping Mm -hmm. up and down the couch and everyone's super excited. Then Corey explains that he made it all up and that he didn't even play. And Morgan, you know, in a funny way says he has an active imagination. And Corey says that he's actually a second string nobody and his parents, ask why he didn't tell them and eric says he told me and his parents look at him and he says this is going to cost me the car isn't it and alan says you're supposed to tell us what he says that's why you sleep in the same room with him yeah so they they pretty much implied that eric's a narc but if that's the case do you like blow his cover like in front of Corey? (laughs) (laughs) like i think uh i think basically the sentiment is if if uh if a kid knows that something's wrong with another kid, they should tell yeah. parents. Yeah, of course. So I'm sure um, it works the other way, too. If Corey yeah. hears something about Eric, he's supposed to share. Yes, I would expect that, too. So yeah. Corey then explains that everybody ignores him you know, in favor of the other kids, being Eric and Morgan. And he said, being second string in basketball is hard enough, but he's only second string in his own family. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it from both ends of the perspective, uh, perspectives on that. Like, three kids, two adults, they're outnumbered, a lot of things going on. It's easy to not give one kid as much attention as they want when there's other things going on, too. So I can see that, but of course, at the same time, this is important to Corey. Yep, 100%. Anything else on that scene before we keep rolling? No. All right, so next we're in the kitchen. And Alan and Amy are talking about the scenario they just went through. And uh, Amy explains that Corey's going through, like, as she puts it, middle pause, which I mm-hmm. thought was clever. And they make this basketball analogy about how they used to be able to play man to man when it was just two kids, you know, but now they're outnumbered. So um, 
but the plan right now is to put a, a full court press on Corey. This is a really yeah. short scene just to establish that the parents plan on doing something about this. Yeah, they use a lot of sports analogies in here, don't they? They do. Very clever. Uh, next scene, we're in the cafeteria, and Minkus is explaining how great of a time he had at the game, uh, even though he didn't play. And uh, Corey doesn't get it at all. But Minkus refers to himself as Minkus Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. What would Minkus even do if they threw him in the game? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like he'd run out the door. I, I don't know. So, like, uh, the character Minkus wouldn't be able to handle it. Probably yeah, exactly. Catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, so, yikes. How did he make the team at all? I guess there were no cuts. It's like oh, wow. everybody makes the team, but not everybody plays. Well, that's a pretty bad indictment of Corey's skills then. <laughs> basically on the same level as Minkus. Sean shows up and he has a sports uh, illustrated magazine with him. And he has Harris with him as well. And he's trying to make Corey feel better, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how the this particular issue has articles about players who used to sit on the bench and basically made a comeback. And the example they give is Steve Young, who sat five years on the bench. Uh, who was he behind, Mark? Um, Steve Young was behind Joe Montana. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. of course he sat five years on the bench. Um, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. You know, for some reason in my head, I always thought it was four, but maybe that was the Aaron Rodgers story because he waited like four years behind Brett Favre. Oh, yeah. Well, Aaron Rodgers always had a chip on his shoulder too because I think he dropped down to the very end of the first round. Yeah. When like everybody knew at the draft that he was probably the best quarterback there. I'm not sure if he was the first quarterback selected or whether someone was picked ahead of him and he just dropped. But yeah, like I, I know he went into the league with a chip on his shoulder after riding the bench and and dropping in the draft. So after they explain that Steve Young that was on the bench for five years, uh, Harris interjects that and Steve Young won MVP, which is true. He also won Super Bowls. Um, and Corey explains that uh, that he's going to prove that he's worth something. And so now his confidence is booming after seeing this magazine. The coach walks in, this very tall man, mm-hmm. and he sees that Corey's in his, his basketball uniform. And he says, Matthews, why are you suited up? Second string doesn't go to away games. Yeah, he perfect timing, him. right? What? Say, sorry, say again? Perfect timing. Yes. It was just like a drive-by. He practically mm-hmm. drove by and killed him. So, <laughs> And uh, that pretty much wraps up that scene, unless you have any other comments. N- no. All right. So, But we did establish here you know, that he doesn't go to away games, so that's important for this next scene. We get to the living room, and Corey shows up to an empty house. And uh, he starts watching TV, and I wrote some of the notes here. says the TV shows are ridiculous, and they all have a laugh track, no matter mm-hmm. what is said. So first, they say he's watching Hard Edition. And was that a real show? It sounds like it could have been. of Hardline? I thought Hardline was a show. And then Real Edition? Maybe. So um, maybe it was a, a mix between like two mix existing? Between two? But yeah. this is the headline, they say. When her daughter didn't sell enough... To win the grand prize, 
Mom killed the whole troop. And I wrote, Jesus Christ. I mean, I wasn't in Girl Scouts. I was in Boy Scouts. And that was not my experience. Dude, but there's a a laugh track after that. (laughs) Mom killed the whole troop. (laughs) Amazing. So uh, what was it like in Boy Scouts? (laughs) Um, Well, like, I don't know. I feel like my troop was very stereotypical of what Boy Scouts is. We went camping once a month. Um, we learned skills related to being out outdoors, um, like poisonous plants, um, navigating with a compass, um, hiking, just like a whole bunch of outdoor activities, um, and learning about nature. Um, wasn't necessarily fun when I was like in my younger teens, but like the further I got along in it, the more like enjoyment I got out of it. So awesome. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. So during that TV binge, like the how many shows they had on there, it felt like they left them home for like, like all night. And then eventually they say it's 624. Like, did you catch that? Uh, I, I didn't catch that, but he does watch quite a few shows and it seems to get dark in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So like it made you feel like he was there all night. But then they he made a comment like 624. Got to get something to eat. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that Corey says after the laugh, tr- after the laugh track hits for mom killing the whole troop, he says, now there's a mom who cares. <laughs> so I wrote like, uh, now it's dark and you hear a uh, different quotes and it says, I think we all learned a lesson here, kids. When you've got family, a house full of love and a puppy and you hear like a little bark <laughs> and then it kind of like the scene like rotates or flips. And then you hear someone say, if you're not making a lot of money, you're a loser. And then it flips again. And it says, by carefully inserting the tip of the probe into the throbbing heart muscle. And Corey then says he he like walks off to go get their food from the kitchen because he's hungry, as you had mentioned. Yeah, I missed a lot of those quotes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I had to like pause and rewind to write these stupid things down. But they're just so ridiculous. I wanted to capture them for this. So. He goes into the kitchen and he spots Feeney grilling outside. So he picks up the phone. This is actually pretty clever. He picks up the phone and calls Feeney's house because he knows Feeney's going to run in to answer it. So he, and which he does. Then Corey darts outside, hops the fence, and steals whatever it is that he's grilling. So like he started to put a plan together. Don't you think he'd like run over with tongs or like something to put the chicken on? He had a fork or something. Did he? Yeah, I feel like he should have had more than that, like a plate. Yes. Well, he had like some sort of like fork or skewer. Maybe it was like a barbecue fork, you know, with the Mm -hmm. two skewers on it. But he he stabbed it from, um, I think he picked it up from Feeney's side of the yard. Yeah. So he he hops over back to his side of the fence and he drops it in what I would just call like a plant bed. It's like a large, like rectangular, like potted plant bed or whatever. Yeah. Um, And then he's like fishing through it to try to get the uh, dirt and mulch you know, off the the chicken, we're going to find out. And Feeney comes back out, realizes his food's gone, and sees Corey and asks him what he's doing. And Corey says he's burying a hamster. And Feeney notices that it's his chicken and says, you know, it looks like you uh, basted a little guy in barbecue sauce. And yeah, I, I would think that Feeney would be a lot more upset. Yeah. Unless he wasn't really looking forward to eating it and wanted an excuse to go out. But, like... <laughs> I, if somebody stole my food, like, I'd be pretty upset. Yeah. 
And we already know that Feeney's the the type to cheat other people, so (laughs) I don't think he'd be so nonchalant about it. No. He'd probably send uh, the Matthews family a bill for the chicken, Yeah, at the very least. So he was cooking that on a charcoal grill. Are you charcoal or propane? Oh, hell yeah, charcoal. Oh, my God. So the the cleanup is a lot harder for charcoal, Mm -hmm. but it's so much better. It's not even close. 100%. The only reason you use propane is like, I guess like when you have a lot of people and you have to move through it quicker or you're like short on time. Of course. But like clean up too. mm -hmm. you don't have to like wait for the the coals to cool down and throw them out or whatever. Yeah. Ideal conditions, charcoal, 100%. Absolutely. So Corey explains that his family left him because he's a loser. And uh, he says that him stealing the chicken from Feeney was survival of the fittest as Feeney had explained and Feeney says it's hardly like you know hunting a mastodon and uh, he also says that he knows that Corey's family went to go see him play in the basketball game and Corey's surprised no but Feeney says that actually the highest form of evolution is a family of human of human beings who genuinely care for one another and Corey says what if it seems like they don't care and Feeney says he has to give them the benefit of the doubt you know, and that's his evolution as a person. So Corey asks him to drive him to the game, and Feeney says he has to drive himself to a restaurant. You know, because Corey ruined his dinner. So Corey does this like fake cry, and Feeney tells him to have some dignity. And Feeney does apparently give him the ride to the game. So m- my question is like, at what point did the family realize that Corey wasn't at the game, and then they decided to stay anyway, or did they just never realize he wasn't there? <laughs> Because if they were there, realized he wasn't like, like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> where's our kid? That's what that is. That's that yeah. should have been. You're 100 right. How long were they there? <laughs> I got well, the impression for some reason that this was probably like at least a 30 minute drive to this game. Like one. So of those yeah, games. Cheltenham's on the uh, like the outskirts of Philly. They said um, where they were going. I yeah, they said the that. away game was in Cheltenham. Oh, cool. Nice. Pretty sure it's on the outskirts of Philly, like the outer edge. Gotcha. Well, so uh, any other comments before we return to living room here? Well, they they just left the chicken in the dirt. Like, didn't even yeah. drop it off in the trash. Be like, <laughs> wow, this might be nutrients for those flowers. Just let's leave it. We'll skip composting. Right. So next scene, we're in the living room, and Eric comes in and says, "Those sixth grade girls thought I was so cool." So you know, boosts his confidence after being turned down by uh you know the the other sophomore girls well did, did wasn't he disgusted by that same type of situation like an episode <laughs> or two ago <laughs> like, but this is a little bit different right because it's not <laughs> a single girl hitting on him like legitimately it's just a group of girls maybe like looking at him and giggling or wanting to talk to him but it's it's a little more distant and less intimate right yeah i guess you so know what i mean it's just more like more like hero worship in this way or or whatever um, mm-hmm. so Alan refers to Corey, you know, as the hero and Morgan says, you know, he was awesome and gives him a, a kiss. And Corey explains that, you know, he scored six points, you know, after you know three, three different first stringers had fouled out. And Eric says, you know, I bet your coach learned a lesson, you know, to bring some, you know, to bring some second stringers to road games with them going forward. 
And Corey says, yeah, he got three baskets in the last minute, making it sound like he was really clutch. Mm-hmm. And yeah. says they were up by 31 points anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess Alan, Cheltenham's not that good. No, no. So Alan says he's impressed by how Corey handled himself. And Corey thinks he means in the basketball game. And Alan says, no. That's about how when Corey came home to an empty house, he... He, he didn't panic. He went to the neighbor, commandeered the neighbor's car. And Eric and the neighbor and says, and the neighbor. And Corey says, that's basically, you know, survival of the fittest. That's how it works. Um, Amy comes downstairs and says, Morgan wants a story from the basketball star. Corey asks, you know, why did drove all the way to the game to potentially just watch him sit on the bench? You know, that they must have had something better to do. And both parents look at Eric and Eric goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan and Amy explain, you know, they don't care if he sits on the bench or scores a hundred points. You know, they, they love watching him. And Amy says, Alan even still watches him sleep. And Alan, you know, tries to make like a, an excuse and says only when there's nothing good on TV. And Corey mm-hmm. asks if they still watch Eric sleep. Alan says, yeah, but we'll stop when he's a senior and gets a life. <laughs> <laughs> Eric says, thank you for your support. I'm going to go eat something that causes a lot of zits. Uh, <laughs> is, that, um, is that an urban legend? I think there's some here? truth to like high oil content and stuff okay. like that. Might I honestly don't know the science behind it, though. Um, okay. But fair enough. Possibly. All right. So uh, Amy and Alan explained that they would not be disappointed in Corey, um, you know, for you know, for making second string, you know, the only thing he would be disappointed is if Corey didn't tell them when something was bothering him. Mm-hmm. And then Morgan comes downstairs and she's super cute. She just says, you know, who's upstairs reading me a story? Nobody. Alan explains, you know, for Corey to make him listen, you know, sometimes you might just have to grab him by the face and say, Hey dad, listen to me. And he, he grabs Corey's face as an example. Corey then grabs his dad's face and says, Dad, and they're both like talking with squished faces, so their voices mm-hmm. are kind of muffled. And he says, let go of my face. And um, and Corey says, you know, he feels bad about what he had said earlier. And uh, he's like struggling to actually apologize, though. And he tries to say, you know, when you're 11 and you get to see other kids' parents, and you know, when you go to other kids' houses, you know, you learn the difference between good parents and bad ones, which I thought was interesting. I'd like to come back to that. Yeah. Uh, and Alan says, and like he wants him to finish this apology or finish this compliment, whatever <laughs> it's going to be. And Corey says, what do you want from me, blood? And uh, Morgan grabs Corey by the face like his dad did and says, where's my story? And drags him upstairs. So uh, one thing I definitely want to talk about uh, is the uh, good parents and bad parents. And if you have any other comments. <laughs> well, the good parents and bad parents. The one thing I remember playing hockey out in front of your house, I'm pretty sure your dad told us to go do drugs. Yo. <laughs> of course, my dad was just kidding. We, we played oh. hockey like every day. <laughs> we played hockey like every day in high school. And yeah, my dad came out and said, Why don't you guys be like normal kids and go do drugs? Obviously, 100% kidding. Um, and I thought, I just thought that Corey's reflection on other people's parents was really mature. Nothing we've yeah. ever seen in the show. Uh, we're going to get there though, you know, as the show matures, like one thing the show does pretty well is, you know, advance to more mature storylines as, as the kids get older, as, mm-hmm. as it should. Um, 
but I thought that was a uh, like pretty cool like foreshadowing. And by the way, Sean's parents are kind of one of the bad ones. Maybe not in the worst way, mm-hmm. but yeah, if he goes over there, you know, we, we we get episodes where his mom runs off, you know, and his dad runs off too to go chase her. You know, yeah, so who the heck would do that? Like, who would abandon their kid because they're because the mom abandoned them as well? But any other comments about that scene? Um, not about that scene, no. Okay. All right, so we're going to finish up in the hallway again. So, uh, Corey's in the hallway explaining that Feeney is a maniac behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that he drives a gremlin. I think that's this... the second time they've mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Feeney did. Uh, and there are references to gremlins. I've Googled it before, like what a gremlin car looks like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was a specific make or, or model of a, you know, from a familiar make, but it's a very common thing to joke about gremlins. I feel like the Simpsons did it. Uh, Boy Meets World did it. It's just like if you drive a crappy car. Uh, if we were writing a sitcom now, I'd probably use Daewoo as a gremlin. <laughs> Do you remember that car brand? At all? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Yeah. Um, they came out a little bit after the Kias. Uh, I think so. It was like a late 90s, early 2000s thing. Yeah, but, I do remember them. Yeah, and they were I forgot them about them just as quick, though. Yeah, they were cheap. They were only around for a few years, but they were horrible. I think they had some class action lawsuits, and they just kind of went under. So Interesting. Yeah. So Corey is explaining that basically Feeney, you know, races down the road and was doing all these crazy turns and skidding and maybe hitting some things as he's trying to get into the game. And Corey says, you know, in the classroom, he might be Clark Kent, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. this, like the classroom might be the Clark Kent version of Feeney and his friends, Harris and Sean don't believe him at all. And even Minkus is there and doesn't believe him either. And then the coach shows up with Mr. Feeney and says, I would have had you, you know, it had the light not turned yellow. And Feeney says, you snooze, you lose. And that's basically it. Establishing that he is a little. Uh, yeah, Speedster. Leadfoot. Leadfoot. Thank you. Anything else about this? Um, no. As a, the episode as a whole, though, it felt like more of a full house type episode where the whole family's together and then they share this moral of the story just like overtly where yeah. they they leave less on the, the viewer to figure it out and just come straight out and tell you what it is. So um, I thought it was an OK episode. Um, funny, but a yeah. little bit too overt with the message. Yeah, I thought it was it was fun and lighthearted. Um, it's your I don't disagree with your take at all. Um, and it wasn't something that I picked up on necessarily, but I think you're, you're a hundred percent on about that, that full house does do that where they sit or sit around and, mm-hmm. and very specifically, you know, talk about the lesson to make sure that you understand it as the viewer. And this, this definitely had that, like that little bit of an unrealistic summary. Whereas like, uh, you know, in contrast at the end of the, the episode that was centered around Christmas and charity where Corey and Sean, you know, leave a lot unsaid. You know, when yeah. they're settling their their charity beef, you know, where Corey had tried to give him like a charity gift, you know, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else about this one? Uh, n- no, I think this was pretty much a run of the mill episode and yeah, not one of the more memorable ones. 
No, I, I 100% agree. Like when it came up, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this, but it's not one that I think of a lot. You yeah. Know, if I try to think of, you know, ones I enjoyed on the show. Exactly. Right, well, I guess, I guess that wraps us up. You know, thanks as always for joining me and I will see you for the next one.